Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, joining us as we uh, have another fun, interesting topic to speak about this week. Uh, but before I jump right into that, we have my introduction of the talented Micah Current. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you for having me. Uh, talented is is questionable, but yes, I'm glad to be here. Well, the topic we're speaking about will be questionable as well. <laughs> but before That's we get what to I said. That. Scratch what I said before. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. But before we jump into our topic, we're going to be talking about um, Elevation Church and, and some of the interesting things that came out last week with them, especially with their uh, tour that they're doing. Um, but... Again, before we jump right into that, anything weird happened with you this week, Micah? Well, before we started recording, we 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 what do we want to rename this segment? Not the weirdest story, but just uh, what was it, Scott? Um, weirdest thing that happened at church, or just rant? What uh, you know? What really grinds my gears? Yeah, you know, what really grinds my gears. Segment <laughs> of the Scott Stebbin Show podcast. Yeah. Uh, no. Um, I think it's going to be more towards that this week uh, rather than weird. Um, but like yesterday was just, I felt like it was a powerful day uh, in the church that I'm serving at currently uh, in reference to worship um, really felt like um, the enemy was trying to like beat us down the entire day um, mm -hmm. leading up to worship into worship. Uh, and even during uh like prayer right between worship and teaching and it turned out to be a really great day. Um, let me say that first, but like um, our keyboard player was going to be out of town this last or yesterday. And um, he let me know in enough advance. And I, you know, as a worship leader, I, I've played and led from keys. I played and led from guitar. Most of the time it's guitar, but you know, I have a, a pretty hefty training in piano, so I can do that as well. And so every once in a while I do that. And so Earlier in the week, there's a, you know, a guy, a young man that sits underneath me that um, kind of is in charge of our tech stuff. And I texted him earlier in the week, um, knowing that Dan, our keyboard player, wasn't going to be there uh, yesterday. And I said, hey, do we have an extra keyboard? Because on our stage, we have one of those, um, I guess, clavichord pianos that are, you know, pretty stationary. And you have to sit to play it and it's pretty heavy. And so it's off to the side. And I was like, do we have an extra keyboard of the church so that I can lead from the keys? And he said, yeah. He's like, we don't have a pedal for it. Okay, cool. I have a keyboard at home. I can bring a pedal if we need to. And he was insistent on going to Guitar Center to buy a new pedal. So I was like, okay, cool. So <laughs> he texted me and said, I'm at Guitar Center right now. And that was the last I heard from him. And th that was like Wednesday last week. I get to the church yesterday morning and there's no pedal. I said, Hey, Adam, did you buy that pedal? <laughs> it was like, they were sold out. And I was like, do you think that maybe you could have told me that before I, I drove to, to church this morning and did not bring my own. So, um, we get up on the stage and Scott, do you remember when you were a kid, like the remote control cars that had batteries and you had to like, you mm -hmm. know, it would drain the batteries in like 10 minutes if you put new batteries in it. Like they batteries, bat, battery operated things with things that use batteries at a high volume don't last very long. Right. So like, have you ever heard of a keyboard that uses batteries? Um, like, 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 like professional, like a, like a high quality, 
something that you would use on a stage, not like something your kids would play with, but like. I I think there's a time, and again, this is me being in camp ministry and just things coming right towards the end mm-hmm. of people just donating like their old junk. So I've seen some, but they're old. Like they don't yeah. do that anymore. So anyway, yeah, I, I get up on the stage. First of all, the power supply for the keyboard doesn't work. And he was like, that's okay. It's battery operated. And I'm like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do this. If, if it's gonna, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, I'm going to go home. I live five minutes from the church. I'll go home. I'll grab my keyboard, grab my laptop. I'll just run it MIDI. I'll run my own, you know, my own rig. And then uh, we got to the church. Or I got back to the church, set all that stuff up, ran through the rehearsal. And then the drummer wasn't happy with me. He wasn't happy with how we were doing the songs. And so he got up out of the booth and he was apparently, you know, this, we can talk about this in another episode, but he just wasn't super, he was having a rough time. Like he, Apparently he's going through a divorce. His dad's really sick. Mm. His son's away at college. He's having you know trouble at work. He plays drums like on the side every weekend at like bars and stuff like that. He's a really good drummer. And he just looked at me. He's like, I don't think we're compatible. And he just snapped at me. And I was like, I, I just want you to be okay. And I want you to be happy. He's like, maybe it's better if I just leave. And I was like, I don't want you to leave. I just want you to be, you know, content. And everything I said just kind of made him more upset. And so I was like, you know what? Would it be easier if I played guitar than piano? He's like, no, I think what you think you're doing is great. We just don't have a bass player. We don't have this. We don't have that. He's having a really rough time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to play keys. Or I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to play guitar. Play guitar. Ran through the songs again. Prayed. We kind of went our own uh, ways. And then service started. And my microphone acted up. When I talked in between songs, I just could not get the words out. And then we got to the third and final song of the set. And I was like, you know what, God, I think I'm just going to let you take care of this. And so like the Holy Spirit just kind of really took over. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of, we did two or three songs that didn't plan. We were just doing courses. People came to the altar. It was like a really powerful moment. And I was like, Lord, we're just going to give this to you. Um, and prayed. Pastor came up, preached a really good sermon. But Scott, it was just a weird day. I don't know if it's a weird story as much as it was just a weird day because everything that could have went wrong felt like it did go wrong. I was frustrated. The drummer was frustrated. Things weren't working right. But like, I think sometimes God wants us to stop and kind of reflect and kind of give us a little bit of a reset to to really think about why we're there, right? And yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was kind of... Just a, I felt like it was an off day. My wife said it was a good worship set. I just, I just felt like it was a struggle. The whole mm. day was a struggle, and so, um, it's it's hard. Um, and I thought about this maybe as a future episode that we could do on on your show, but like, um, I really don't think people understand what pastors go through, like on the other side of it, right? And what I mean by that is just that, like. If somebody comes up and rips you a new one 45 minutes before church is supposed to start, you're supposed to put a smile on and just lead worship or preach the word of God. And it's supposed to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I I just, I don't think people understand that. So yeah. maybe, that, maybe that can be another topic in another episode, but like, um, 
yeah, that was my my weird Sunday and my weird experience yesterday. What was yours? <laughs> so yeah, so for mine, and I don't know, I keep getting this like random lady talking to my ear saying your battery's low, and it's like I just charge these up. So we'll maybe, see. I'm like, maybe you need a battery operated keyboard. Like I, I need a battery operated keyboard. <laughs> so, but anyway, like um, no. So my weird story actually had to do with Saturday. I went to the Ohio GA. Uh, for the Church of God, which I haven't been to an Ohio GA in like eight years. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, so it was so it was weird because it was just so different from the last time I was there. Like, and in and, and, and a, a lot of ways, a lot of good ways. Like, so just to kind of set the stage, when I left Ohio, they were just in the process of making some changes. When you go to GA, it usually was on a Thursday. You get there at like nine o'clock, and if you stayed for the ordination service, you'd be there for twelve hours. Yeah, I used to play was, and lead worship for those things. Like it was it all was, a thing. It, so it was, it was, and it, and I mean, it was good because you had like a speaker speak like in the morning, and then there'd be some like, what? Let's talk. Let's see how the disaster relief team is doing, or how's this ministry doing, or. You know, and everyone would always have like their thing where they would talk and then you have lunch. And then during lunch, that's when they would talk about the budget and people would, you know, they ask questions or they fight or argue about the budget. Like, you know, good business meetings do, um, <laughs> whether church or not. Anytime talk about the budget, people get a little feisty. Um, and, then, and then right after you get all feisty and get all that anger uh, out, then you go back and hear another like little like teaching from whoever the guest speaker was. And then. Okay, go to dinner on your own and then come back for ordination, for the ordination service. This one, it was like, okay, we're going to have our speakers right there in the morning. And then everyone goes to lunch. And then if you're like part of like, if you're, if you're like a next gen pastor, we're going to have like a special meeting for you guys to go. And then we'll have some people do that during lunch, like kind of like they're, here's what's going on with this. And then they did their budget meeting. And then after that, it was like, okay, ordination service starts at three o'clock. Like, and I'm thinking, wow, like you shaved. Like really just cut the time in half. And I know at least when I was leaving, they were getting to the point where they were going to like say, hey, if you have questions, here's the budget. So they'll send it out ahead of time. If you have questions, go email them to us. We'll address them from stage. So then that way, the open mic night kind of disappeared, which I think when they first did that, and this was probably like maybe two years before I left the state, um, I know a lot of pastors would grumble about that because they felt like that their voices weren't heard or like the Ohio Ministries was like stifling them. At the same time, no one likes sitting in those meetings where they talk about the budget. Like, So if there's like any like pertaining questions people have and they can answer them and you can kind of say, hey, here it is, and kind of really be more subjective to doing that, uh, I think it was great. Um, Dan Turner was the speaker, and I had one. I had his book, like Dying to Restart. He talks about trying to restart churches, and it was good. I mean, you know, he he was a great speaker. And then they also had their their jet force. I, that that was a joke that the uh, Esther made jet force, but it's like the justice and equity team. And I guess their responsibility is to look at statistics and get a bunch of surveys to present to the National General Assembly to kind of find out their findings. So there's like a lot of cool stuff that they brought up. Like they brought up a lot of um, 
looking at women in ministry and how even though in the Church of God we say we support women in ministry, uh, statistics kind of show that's not always the case. Church of God, we're pretty diverse and you know, we're very big in our early history, very big of like supporting like African Americans. But then you start to dig into the archives and you start digging into research and you find out that wasn't always the case. So they really were trying to basically say, hey, there's this like mystic Church of God view of that we're very progressive as far as ordaining women and doing all that. But one of the statistics I thought was very fascinating in 1925. Um, the Church of God, 25% of lead pastors were women, as opposed to 2018, which was the last data that they got, it was 13%. Mm. So the fact that we had more women ministers in the 1920s than we do yeah. now really shows, and you just see, and you can, they have all the other, and you can just see it was dropping, like even sometimes, I think there was one where it dropped like below 10%. And then it goes up. And even when you look at like a bar chart, like women in ministry, you look, it's mostly men. And then, you know, we show diversity and we're like, oh, we're diverse. But then when you look at like all the. Can you still hear me? Yes. My thing. Just... Yes. Okay. Yep. yes. All right. So, but even like with that, it's like, wow. Like we say we're diverse, but, you know, when we look at our numbers and look at our statistics, eh. Not as much as we think we are. So I think that was really good um, and, and brought up that. And, I, and even someone brought up the question about, oh, with this justice and equity task force, does that mean we're going to start having like same sex ministers and everything else in the Church of God? And one of the ladies, I can't remember her name. She spoke up and she said, right now we have enough on our hands just trying to figure out, you know, women dealing with the issue of women ministers and, you know, diverse ministers and kind of dealing with that like that's enough on our plate we're not diving into that right now we have too much stuff trying to figure out you know are we basically are we are we living up to what we're saying we believe with ordination of women ministers and empowering them encouraging them and and actually churches being able to actually look at their resumes and being on equal footing with men ministers or are they just saying well we're not going to look at this because this woman's because it's a it's a female pastor, so we're not going to look at it because we want a man pastor, you, you know, stuff like that. So I'm thinking, oh, well, I'm glad that they're actually doing something like so. So I think that was the weird thing, like just kind of my preconceived notion from what I've witnessed in the past to what I was seeing now was vastly different. Even just sitting there, I could just see like it wasn't just all white men in the meeting having worship, like I'm seeing African-Americans, Hispanic pastors. I'm seeing a lot of women pastors in there. And I'm like, dude, this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because mostly it was just old white men in there. And I was probably the, me and a few others were probably the only ones who were bringing down the average age limit when I was pastoring yeah. in my yeah. early thirties, late twenties, early thirties going to GA. So no, so that's, so I thought, I mean, I was impressed. I was definitely Thinking, oh, I hope it's not the same as it was eight years ago. And it's like, oh, no, this is vastly different. So, so I was very, well, it's good. Um, I think too, like, it, it's interesting you bring up the diversity thing and not that we're going to go down a huge rabbit hole, but like, I'm taking a class this semester for my graduate program and it's educational uh, curriculum and theory and like leadership and things like that. And like, we talk about curriculum and we're talking about, you know, how, uh, schools and things are changing and one of the books that we're reading for our class we talked a lot about um 
uh, diversity in school districts. And I had to write a reflection over the weekend for my class. And in the first section of the book that we're reading right now, um, the book's called, we want to do more than survive. Mm-hmm. And so like um, kind of the, the, the point that I, that I used uh, to defend, you know, my thesis statement in the paper was that um, a lot of it has to do with a, where your parents have a job and b where you live. So like, if you live closer to a city, you're going to go to a school district that's more diverse and has, you know, more uh, diversity, different ethnicities, different representations of, of class and social, uh, you know, equality across the board. Whereas if you live in, you know, rural, you know, country, uh, you know, diversity may be few and far between. I remember going to high school, Scott, where I went to school with an African-American. There was one, there were two African-American students in the entire school district and they were brother and sister they were great apart and they're some of my best friends but they were it in a a rural school district of you know i don't know maybe six or eight hundred students total and so like the whole point in that is that the closer that you get to the city the more diverse it's going to be and the more uh far away from the city the less diverse it's going to be all that to say, Scott, with your experience with GA, I think it'll be interesting if they do these surveys and follow through to see how diverse some of these churches are. You know, these quote unquote country churches, like these church of gods that maybe run 50 people on the weekend. And like they're out in the middle of, I don't know, name a small city in Southwest Ohio where, you know, we may be lucky to get 50 people. Do they even have a single Hispanic person in their church or an African American in their church? Like it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see those stats for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like, is what was it like, at, you know, Bexley where you, at the church you're at now? Uh, we actually, we have some, I mean, it's mostly Caucasian. Okay. Um, But we do have some people of different ethnicities here. We have some African-Americans. We do have some um, Indians that attend church here. We do have some people who I would say would be kind of like, um, Pacific Islanders are like Asian. Um, so, you know, there is some diversity here. Not as I much also, if I was in downtown Columbus, I'd probably get more. Um, but yeah, I also think it's interesting. Like, I didn't get to go to GA this year, um, partially because I thought the cost was kind of steep. But that's another conversation. But then um, I, you know, I would be curious to see. Well, no, what I was going to say, Scott, is that I think it's crazy that they went from Women in ministry and diversity and inclusion to <laughs> we're not going to ordain gay people or right? we're not going to or, you know, like it seems like they went on like a, a little bit of like, is that how it felt in the room when you when they said that? Well, the, so, was, well, I mean, well, because that was the very first question, because and I think this is kind of the change that I liked at GA, because if they brought it up and they just did open questions. Sure. You was probably would have went down that rabbit hole, but Esther went up there and she was reading some of the questions, like some of the questions that people submitted in. And that was the very first question she addressed. And they just said, like, no, we have enough dealing with this and more of the diversity and dealing with. Was you the know, question, are we going to ordain homosexuals? Is that what the yeah, question is? The, it, it was like, is the purpose of this task force to see if we are going to ordain, you know, LBGTQ pastors within the okay. Church of God? Which and is. That that was a question. It's it right. DEI and women in ministry. And then the first question in the forum was, <laughs> are we going to ordain? Well, and, and now I think, well, I think 
in the mean, I think as and again, these were questions that were submitted online, I believe. So that was the very first question Esther brought up to the team. And I yeah. think it was good because it was just like them saying, no, we have to deal. And really, it was about a minute. Yeah, it took up a minute of that conversation. And well, it was as my done. wife, as my wife would say, uh, that escalated quickly. Like that being yeah. the first question, I guess is all my point and all that. But yeah. Yeah. But so, I mean, that was the first question that Esther brought up. And it, I think it was wise to bring that up just to say them say, no, we have too much stuff. And then let's now talk about what we are for, which is looking at kind of our racial diversity and even looking at women in ministry. And are they being treated fairly within our movement as we say we as we think that we believe or say that we believe. So, and a lot of it was just like going back to the beginning, going back to the foundations of our movement and really saying, okay, are we, do we actually believe what we say we believe? And if we do, then we have to make some changes and some very drastic changes because it's not lining up. And I think that was very good to this. Yeah. This little, like little, like, you know, weird tangent. We're just going to go ahead and just say, Pluck that gray hair out. Let's throw it away and let's get to the actual brass tacks of everything. So I thought it was it was good. Did um, you did you think you one more thing and we can move on? Yeah. Like because I didn't get to go and I was yeah. just curious as to your your experience after not being there for so long and you know you're a big part of Ohio and then you went to Virginia and now you're back in Ohio not with Church of God but with the UMC even though you were ordained with the church of God, but like, mm -hmm. did you, did you feel in the room that there was, you said there was a, a good representation of diversity and things like that, but was, what was the age demographic? Like, did uh, you feel like you were younger or like the, you were, did you still feel like you were the youngest, one of the youngest in the youngest people in the room? Sorry. I felt like I was a middle-aged pastor. Okay. Cause there was definitely people who were younger than, that looked, I mean, they looked younger than me. Um, there's also people who are older than me, people who I've seen, you know, there from the times I got ordained in Ohio, which was 12 years ago. So, yeah, like I think I mean, I really thought it was a good mix as far as ages, too. Hmm. The people who are participating and being in the service and not just the person in the booth running the sound or the praise and worship team like it was. It was very good. Even praise and worship team, you know, if they had Handel Smith was leading worship with for us. So, you know, and we had a good it was good. It was a good representation of, I believe, the Church of God, you know, men and women in there, young and old. And then, you know, black, white, Asian, Hispanic pastors there, too, which I thought was fantastic. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah. So our story today, which this is going to be going like completely off from what we talk about. Um, but last week, um, Ben Kirby, who is the creator of Preachers and Sneakers of that Instagram page, if you're not familiar with what Preachers and Sneakers are, usually he will look at like um, preachers and say, hey, look, they're wearing these sneakers or this fashion that costs like thousands and thousands of dollars, but yet they're supposed to be ministers. So it's almost kind of like a social commentary that kind of blew. I actually it's supposed to be kind of more of a joke and then just hearing his story and then it just kind of blew up into something like, ooh, what's going on here? So the, he posted a post a week ago that um, tickets for a elevation worship tour. And um, with this elevation worship tour, some of the tickets and I believe it was at the let me let me pull it up and get this right. It was the. Um, 
No, that's that's but is is in Los Angeles, so I think that's like the Kia Forum, and the ticket price was over a thousand dollars per ticket to be on the ground floor, kind of like left of stage or stage right. Um, actually, yeah, stage right um, was a thousand. I think it was like one thousand eighty-two dollars per ticket to sit there. For and that kind of brought up a lot of. Whoa, you know, elevations greedy, elevations greedy. And it, it kind of brought up that conversation about, you know, churches and especially like big name churches like Elevation, Hillsong, and the astronomical prices that they charge people to go to some of their shows. Hmm. Um, however, just kind of looking, I actually went and found, looked up ticket prices. And it's it's interesting because even now, just looking at the ticket prices there and just going like a couple seats back, they're looking at like 200 bucks for that same arena. Um, I can't really get a good look at like row A or row B, but the price is definitely not seeing that. Even some of the resale prices, people who bought them and then they're reselling them are still only like maybe $300. So nothing close to the $1,000 mark. So um it has me being very questionable if what was posted on Preachers and Sneakers was actually legit. Um, but I can't really, but I can't really speak to that. Um, so yeah, let's just start there. So what do you, so what were your thoughts when you happened to, when you shared that with me, Micah, like what were some of your thoughts when you saw that price tag and you're just like, Oh man, like what is this? Well, first of all, I, I sent it to you, but then I looked on a third party site. I think it was like vividtickets.com or whatever. And they, and those seats in that section were over a thousand dollars. Okay. They were. And so um, I went on a third party site aside from uh, what preachers and sneakers Instagram was sharing. And um, yeah, they were over a thousand dollars. So um, the, my my initial thought, Scott is, uh, I thought I sent it to you just kind of laughing, uh, laughing because I'm like, is this real? But also kind of worried because I'm like, is Elevation going to become the next Hillsong or something like that? Like my my worry, uh, you know, my worry uh, sensor goes off every time I hear something like that or read something like that. I'm like, yeah, they're greedy. They don't have enough money. They're not a big enough church. Like, you know, when is when is enough enough? Um, you know, I don't know Stephen Furtick, but like if you Google him right now, estimated worth of Stephen Furtick is like 50 to 80 million dollars which is just insane yeah. when you think about it to be a lead pastor of a church, um, not discounting his success or the start of his ministry um, at Elevation Church, but like um, it's, it's a tad bit concerning. Uh, when I talk to a couple people about this besides you, um, some, you know, talk about, you know, demographics and stuff like that. But like I've, I talked to, you know, older people, younger people, and somebody were some of my friends were like, I remember going to Christian concerts for free and they would take a low offering, right? Or if they did charge, it was like five dollars or ten dollars, not a thousand. So like um also the comment section on Instagram, if you want to check it out, Preachers of Sneakers, uh, the thread of comments were hysterical. Um, my favorite, I think, Scott, was Dave Ramsey is watching you. Um <laughs> there was another one. Uh, that said high price paid for uh, the anointing splash zone or something like that. But um, Mm -hmm. another one said, uh, 
you can get a round trip ticket from anywhere in the country to Charlotte, North Carolina to go to church for free on Sundays and see the same thing. So, um, you know, it, I, you know, you and I are both professional wrestling fans too. And, you know, when you go see a professional wrestling show, they're in a venue, same thing with concerts or any other kind of uh, live event like that. Um, the venue costs money to rent. Um, and maybe because it's in California um, and a bigger venue, maybe that's why it costs more. I I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but all that to say that that's, that's kind of steep. I mean, I know that Elevation Worship, they they do these, they're called Elevation Worship Nights with Stephen Furtick preaching. So they'll do worship and they'll do teaching. Um, they have one up here at Wright State at the Nutter Center uh, in Dayton. And Scott, I think tickets are 40 bucks for, you know, and there's not really a bad seat in, in the Nutter Center. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. been there, but like it's, that's, I mean, $40 is, you know, my wife and I claim to be cheapskates, but like we, you know, I would pay forty dollars to go see Elevation and Stephen Purdy preach, mm. but not a thousand. Um, so yeah, yeah, those are so those are some of my initial thoughts when I read that. Yeah, so so just to kind of you, you mentioned a lot of prices, especially when you go to. I mean, I can remember going to see my very first concert. I remember actually paying money to go see. It was with youth group. It was at the Akron Civic Center, and I saw Plank Eye, Jeff Moore in the distance. And the newsboys, and this was the newsboys, and this was like height of newsboys. Take me to your leader tour, newsboys. And I think I paid twenty bucks to go to that show. Uh, There's times where I went and saw like underground Christian punk bands, and I paid eight dollars um, and watched them play in a church basement. Um, so you know, there's so, and then I think there's one time where I think it was the Supernatural tour. That it was like DC Talks, like last full album before they were going to call it quits. And I think even the prices to see that played at like the Gund Arena was like two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was the high price. Like that was, you know, front of the stage price, two hundred bucks. Um, which I'm like, I'm not going to pay two hundred bucks to see DC Talk. But it, it's interesting when you talk about you know venue spaces and stuff because like I was looking and I couldn't, I didn't realize like where it was until I found it. But like, here's the one, this is for, this is the same tour. This is this Wednesday at Las Vegas, Nevada at the T-Mobile arena floor B, which is right in front of the stage. You click on, and I'm looking at it right now. These are resale tickets. And they always say resale tickets are higher price. These resale tickets, there's one very front row seats. Yeah. Floor B row a seat 16 through seat. 13 um $269 definitely not in the thousands like we were seeing so I think so I think the venue does play a part in that so I think that's something that we have to kind of be careful of to say oh Stephen Furtick or Elevation are being greedy are they maybe but let's look at the venue the fact that you could go to that venue and look at tickets and you could go to I think I checked that venue out that showed the you know, the thousand dollar tickets. But if you go to like maybe floor seats and go to the very back of the floor seat, it's like maybe 120 bucks mm-hmm. for that ticket. Um, and I, and that was a resale ticket. And that's not a resale ticket. That's a premium ticket too. They're yeah. calling them the premium. I don't know what the different names and what that means, but even to kind of put this in perspective, like, Chris Jericho, which, you know, we talk about wrestling. He has a band called Fozzy, which is kind of a pseudo-Christian band, I guess. They're playing in Columbus in April 2nd. 
and it's going to be Seventh Day Slumber, uh, the Gold Frankincense and Myrrh Band, which is like a a chick metal band, which I'm very excited to see. And then Chris, another band, and then Chris Jericho's band Fozzy, playing in Columbus for forty dollars. Mm. I even looked up Chris Jericho's wrestling cruise because I know he has one of those. I just looked up. He does one of those every year. Yeah. He does those every year. And just looking at pricing and I just looked like if I want to get a balcony like seat, balcony room for just me, if I want to get a balcony room, just me, that's about a thousand dollars for a four day trip from Miami to the Bahamas. And then not only that, I'm watching wrestling. There's some like even just looking at this lineup, you know, there's like. Dan Housen's going to be there. Mickey James is going to be there. Mark Henry's going to be there. Hornswoggle's going to be there. Um, Matt Cardona, Nick Gage is going to be there. Sabu is going to be there. Brutus the Barber Beefcake, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I don't think they're going to wrestle. I think they're just there. But then you're going to have Quiet Riot play there. Fozzie's playing there. You have Pris, which is like a chick kiss cover band. So there's a lot of like stuff and it's like okay i can pay and then that's the thing if you buy more tickets you get a discount so if i have like three people that balcony oceanside room that's a thousand dollars just if i went if i bring two other people with me it's now eight hundred dollars per ticket for a five-day cruise from again miami to uh bahamas Mm. and i think all my food's included in that too so So it's like, wow, like, so I think that's kind of the thing that Gage, like even that, like, oh, you could fly, get a plane ticket anywhere in the world, go to North Carolina and go see all that stuff for free, mm-hmm. which is well, also too, true. Scott, like, I think, I think the difference just to kind of back up what you're saying with like DC yeah. Talk and some other groups is like those guys, that's their life. That's their career. That's their livelihood. Whereas mm-hmm. Elevation, Stephen Furtick and Elevation Worship they lead worship every single week at a church where they're full-time on staff and they have a salary and get paid for that. And not only that, just Stephen Furtick gets paid to, to write books. I mean, he writes books and he gets paid obviously from publishing and everything like that. But like, it also is, takes is a couple a- of royalties from all the music that elevation comes out. Cause his name's sure. on every song yeah. that comes out, whether he writes it or not, his name's on there. <laughs> sure. So like, uh, you know, I think just to kind of, play devil's advocate with what you're saying, Scott, I think is that they, they are, they're already making money, right? Mm-hmm. This is just money on top of that. So like, do you know, aside from the venues charging to, to use their facilities, uh, a, how much money are they making off of this? And B, you know, is that steep regardless? Because like, if you're going to go see somebody like a Fozzie, like a secular band, or if you're going to go see, uh, I don't know, the newsboys or, you know, DC talk or for King and Country, like or even for when King I and Country, King or Mercy Me, was... or like any of these Christian bands that are on the radio, like they do that, Scott. They do that for for a living. Um, and so like I was uh, scrolling through Facebook yesterday on my phone before church, and I noticed that Crossroads Church here in Cincinnati is going to host Phil Wickham in March. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be Phil Wickham, Matt Marr, and uh, Leland. They're going to do a night of worship at, at Crossroads. Okay, but I think but I think tickets were like maybe $40 a piece. But if you, if you wanted to do like a VIP meet and greet Q and a session with them, they're like 75. But again, Phil Wickham tours all the time. Yes. He leads worship at his home church when he's there, but he's hardly ever there because he's on the road so much because he's trying to make a living, a selling records, writing music and doing that's his career. It's not like he's getting paid full-time salary to go lead worship at his church. 
Yeah, and I and I, and I think it, and I think that's a thing that you know when you look at those ticket prices because even like even when I went through the tickets, I even had to hit a, put a check mark on there and also add the fees to the price too, so I could see how much I'm actually going to be paying. So I'm not getting surprised. Ticketmaster fees, man. And, and I think that's the thing. Like when you think about that thousand dollar ticket, some of it's probably going to elevation uh, and Steve Furtick. Some of it's going to the venue. You know, if you're playing at the Staples Center or wherever, or the Kia Forum or wherever, and then you also have your ticket masters and all those people who are buying the tickets and and kind of managing all that. Like those people are getting paid too. So when you're looking at the price. You almost have to kind of sit there back and go, okay, where, how's this being broken down? And if it is like, even if like elevation is getting only, even if elevation is only getting like 40 bucks per ticket sold, still that's a lot of money for that venue. But then you have to look, okay, if they're only getting 40 of that thousand, then how much is the venue getting? How much is, and again, venue paying for their lights, their sound, the parking, the concessions, the janitorial staff, like there's a lot that goes into having a big event at a big arena like that. And then how much is it is going to someone who sits at a computer, making sure that no one's scalping tickets or they're mm -hmm. doing it fairly and, and making sure that the site doesn't crash. Like, you know, there's, so there's a lot that goes on in, in that pricing. And I don't really know what that breakdown is unless you happen to know. <laughs> no, I, I it, you know, I, how do you feel about that though? Like, do you, are you cool with churches that are already making a ton of money from records and being a mega church and, you know, they're full-time on staff at a church going out and making more money and charging that kind of money for, is it greed or is it, or is it actually an attempt to go out and share the gospel and, and, and do those things? My, 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 my knee jerk reaction is it's probably greed. Okay. Absolutely. My other thing, the other, my other thing too, and I think this is probably the big issue I have is transparency. You know, and like you said, like, you know, if it's DC talk, those guys are on the road, they're touring, you know, they have, they have, you know, even though I'm paying $200 to go see DC talk. Yeah. They, you know, all three of them get a cut of that. Their manager gets a cut of that. The roadies get a cut of that. The person who's driving the bus or the trucks with all their gear um, are getting are getting a are getting a cut of that. So yeah, it's uh, it's. So I just wild. sent you a link. I just sent yeah. you a link to to the the one at the Kia Forum in Inglewood, California. And if you click on Section G, it says a thousand eighty dollars. Okay, I'm gonna check the site that I'm on because I think I'm actually on a Ticketmaster site. I want to see this is, this is StubHub though. I don't know, so I don't know what's ac accurate and what's not. But if yeah. I bought tickets on this this site, that's that's what they're oh, saying. So they actually, are. so actually, the stuff that I'm on is, and this is for November second, right? Mm, that's the one November we're looking 3rd. at. The one I'm looking at is November third. The one okay, on the let me actual check. oh Los Angeles or Inglewood. Yeah, let me check. Yeah. So you said it was Row G. Uh, section G. Yeah, so I can so according and this is Ticketmaster, and I'm actually pulling this link actually from Elevation's website. So on Ticketmaster, I can't get the G. G is out, but there's some tickets in N, which is kind of center stage, just one row back from G. And the tickets there. Oh, actually, there is one ticket 
right here in, I think it's H. So it's a little bit right next to G. And this is official platinum, which I don't know what that means. This is also including with fees, but they're offering $164 for this one ticket right next to that area in G. And this is through Ticketmaster. So who's scalping tickets here is what I'd like to know. <laughs> that's that's I mean, it, that's a good question, because, yeah, I'm looking at your stub up thing. And yeah, I'm looking at that ticket and like here, I'm going to check the Las Vegas one because those were the ones that I saw. Oh, they're really cheap. What? OK, so the Las Vegas show. Let me click on. I wish I can zoom in and see all this stuff. Oh, so they're saying the floor. OK, so they're saying the floor tickets are not available yet, but yet I could buy them through Ticketmaster. And the floor tickets were about a hundred, but how much is this one in twelve, which is thirty five dollars each for Las Vegas, Nevada through, and this is again StubHub. Mm. So, <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, I guess that poses the question: Is it elevation being greedy, or is it your StubHubs, your Ticketmasters, your venues? Because that's a huge drop from having a $1,000 ticket in Las Vegas to now I'm looking at Ticketmaster, and they're saying it's only $200, and that's even including the fees. Where, where the one on StubHub I looked at said this isn't including fees. So that's where I'm confused. This is what, And I think this is where I think the topic of transparency comes in because it's like, you know, it's very easy to see that sticker price and go, yowch, they're being greedy. And I mean, in, even not to take away from your comment, but yeah, if you're a full-time staff person and you have your I don't know if you would call them like elevation a team and B team for worship but like if you have your a team going out on the road with your pastor traveling the country and you're paying a thousand dollars for that seat then that seems a bit steep and even if you're only and even if elevation is only getting fifty dollars fifty dollars for a $25,000 or 25,000 seat arena is still a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, but how much is it as preachers and sneakers? How much of it is, you know, ticket scalping, how much of it is venues, how much, you know, collectively, like, you know, I'm not just gonna, you know, if I wanted to go to something bad enough, Scott, I'm going to look, for the best deal possible. Yeah. Some people, you know, if people pay a thousand, you know, they're getting ripped off, getting ripped off. I'm sorry. Like, that's just the way that it is. Because if, if you can go find seats, you know, three rows behind you, that are only going to be 200 versus the thousand that that website's asking for. Or if I really uh, want to see elevation. And even if it was like, they're playing it at like the nationwide arena or something, yeah. and elevation was playing here in Columbus and it was a thousand dollar ticket. How much money would it cost me to get in my car, fill it with gas, go to North Carolina, and sit in a seat at their church? It probably would be cheaper for me to do that and see, and maybe, you know, who knows, maybe Steve, maybe it'll just be another pastor there preaching because Steve Furtick's on the road with team, with Elevation Worship Team A going on the road, so I'm getting B team. But still, even if I'm seeing all the, you know, even if I'm seeing everybody on the Elevation Worship Team and Steve Furtick, it's going to be a lot cheaper to do it that way and then just, you know, throw my tithe, tithing check in. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's 
It is. I think it's a. It, I think if anything, even if it was legit or not or scalped or not, I think the big thing we have to look at is, you know, people will buy in to go and see an elevator, especially on the West Coast. They're probably going to pay the tickets to go see Elevation because they're not going to get a plane ticket to fly all the way out to you, North Carolina and go see Elevation on a well, Sunday morning. And to take it a step further, I saw Hillsong Young and Free at Crossroads uh, Church in 2018, and I think our tickets were under $20 each. And Hillsong's a way bigger situation than than Elevation, so yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I don't know if I if I ha- if I was in a really good situation where I felt blessed financially, um, I don't know that I would go out on the road and try to make more money than I'm already making. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I have friends that are worship leaders all over the country, and. Some are paid very, very well to to lead worship every single week because they work at a, in a larger situation, uh, and they're thankful and they don't have to travel to do so or travel to make that kind of money. So, and then there's people like you said or we said earlier, like Phil Wickham or Leland or other uh, fantastic songwriters that they're not leading every week and that's their livelihood is is going on tour and making money by by playing, um, you know, yeah. concerts or leading worship at worship conferences or doing worship nights at, you know, in a different city and different every, every night. Um, Mm -hmm. But that's their career versus the the career of the local church. So, but that's the life they also chose. So I don't know, Scott, like, I think it's kind of, uh, you know, mercy me is not going to lead worship at their home church every week. It's just, just not going to happen. So. um, Absolutely. Yeah. It was kind of weird. I saw it. It was just kind of weird and it seemed kind of, Preachers and sneakers is kind of funny though, and it, more than anything, like whether it's true or not, I think that the the comment section, if y'all follows uh, preachers and sneakers on Instagram or just look them up and look at that thread, it's absolutely hysterical. Some of the comments, yeah, absolutely. All right, friends. Well, that's going to do it for us. So let us know what you think. Like, what are your thoughts about the ticket prices? Is it you think it's fair? You think there needs to be some more transparency as to how everything is being broken down? Like. Like, give us your thoughts. Feel free to message us, email us, um, you know, wherever you're listening to us, um, you know, just feel free to send us a comment or you can send us an email at thescottsteadman.com. And uh, yeah, we love to hear your thoughts. So friends, thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your week and we'll be back on next week with another episode. Take care. (laughs) 